I do want to teach tonight a little bit on something that um, we don't talk about a, a lot uh, in our public spaces because on our public spaces we're so focused on reaching people who are not connected uh, to Jesus uh, at the moment and, and so that's but this is our deeper space okay where we can kind of uh, go a, a little bit more you know underneath if you like and, and I want to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight and I've called it literally who on earth is the Holy Spirit who on, and, and notice I didn't say what on earth is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not a what he is a who who on earth is the Holy Spirit? And I don't know how clear you are about the Holy Spirit. And I know that we're, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a whole bunch of people. Some of you are at Bible college. Ooh, so you know big words. And some of you have been Christians for a long time. And some of you are brand new believers. Some of you weren't brought up in, in church at all. So for, so for many of you, and maybe if you were brought up in church, you might have been brought up in church like I was brought up when we didn't speak about the Holy Spirit at all. In fact, as a teenager, I was often perplexed why when we looked through the book of Corinthians, we got to, you know, kind of 11 and then jumped to 13 and then jumped to 15. And I'm like, you've missed some chapters. And it was like, we just did not talk about the Holy Spirit at all. So in a room like this, there's a whole different bunch of experiences and I don't know what you think of when you think of the Holy Spirit, what comes to your mind. How clear are you on who the Holy Spirit is and what He is sent to do? What about speaking in tongues? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it for everyone or just a few? What about when you watched on TV, someone prayed for and they fell to the floor? What was all that about? And what about healing? And what about miracles? And the other week when someone said, I have a picture, what's that mean? You know, what does that mean? You know, you may have all these things going around your mind and other gifts of the Spirit for today. And if they are, what are they and how do we work them out? And I'm already baptised, so what does baptism in the Spirit really mean? How clear are we really? There's God the Father, get that. God the Son, really get that. God the Spirit, not quite so sure. I wonder where you are on that whole explanation. But Jesus was really, really clear about the Holy Spirit. And one verse in John 16, verse 7, again, from the Passion. But here's the truth. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager, and by that he's talking about the Holy Spirit, will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, it's better for you that I go. If I'd have been a disciple at the time, I'd have said, you're joking, aren't you? That's like when your mom and dad said, I'm going to punish you and it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. It doesn't. All right, you weren't brought up. I was brought up in that era where it was a good whack, okay? Not very often, but occasionally. I remember my dad hit me once and he had to and he should have done and I deserved it fully, okay? I won't go into the details. But I, he said to me, and I still remember, I was about 11 or 12, he said, I'm going to punish you, okay? He's never done it before. He'd never done it before or since. And he said, and it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. He lied. It hurt me much more. And it's like that. That's kind of, Jesus is saying, it's better for you that I go away. I don't get that. But Jesus was really clear because if he goes away, he can send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, I can only be with you here in the natural and I can only be in this space. But if I go away, I can send the Holy Spirit and then I can be with you all. That's amazing, isn't it? And then he goes on to say in John 16 and the next one. So, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. It's one of the functions of the Holy Spirit to guide you into truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears 
And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So it's like the Holy Spirit listens to what's going on in, in, in the Godhead with the Father and then brings it to us. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. I know that's a little deep, but it's basically that the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm in on what's happening in the Godhead and my job is to bring that into your experience. Jesus is saying it is better to live in the era of the Spirit than when Jesus actually lived in the flesh. And I can't quite get my head around that because I'd love to be with Jesus in the flesh, wouldn't you? But Jesus was really clear and he says it's better to live in the era of the Spirit than it is to live in the era of the flesh. And I want to say to you something, uh, and this thought hit me today as I was just finishing this off. The overarching promise in the Bible is not forgiveness of sins. The overarching and unifying promise in the Bible is not you go to heaven when you die. The overarching and unifying promise in Scripture is the presence of God. Is the presence of God. And sin is a blockage to the presence of God. And so we need to take sin away. That's why Jesus came on the cross. And in the presence of God, we will live in that presence of God for eternity. But the overarching and unifying promise in the scripture, the promise above, we sang it in that song, just the promise above everything else is that you and I could have a relationship with God. And so right in the beginning, God walks with Adam and Eve in the garden. And then in the wilderness, you see a pillar of cloud and a fire and and the presence of God. Then you see the tabernacle, the presence of God. And then Jesus comes and it's the presence of God in the flesh. And then Jesus is crucified. And as he dies, the temple is torn from top to bottom. And the the presence of God is there. And then right at the end, and heaven will come to earth. And there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more crying. You will know the presence of God for eternity. The promise of God for you and I is that we can know him I don't know about you but I'm excited about that like we can have a relationship with God and I want to say guys with all of our effort and all of our energy and we want to reach people and we're going overseas and investing in young people and planting locations and doing this and doing that and it's all amazing but the central theme of who we are as human beings is people who have a relationship with God The overarching, unifying promise of Scripture is that you and I can know God. His heaven, presence, the presence of God in our lives is what the Holy Spirit is all about. Now let me just clear up a few misconceptions. The Holy Spirit is not an it, He is a He. And I don't mean that in a gender way at all, okay? But He's a personality, He has a nature, He can be offended. You know those really sensitive people who are offended before you even know it. The Holy Spirit can be like that. He can come into a situation or a space with great power. He can leave and you won't know it. Because he has a personality. And that's why the Bible talks a lot about don't grieve the Spirit. I know I grieve the Spirit way too much. Because he's sensitive. He has a personality. The Holy Spirit is not a force to be used by us. It's not Star Wars. He's the Spirit of Jesus. He shows himself in different forms, different symbols, wind and fire and a dove and uh, and water and oil and wine. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He does unusual things, but he's not weird. And there's a big, big difference between unusual supernatural things and weirdness. And the Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit is not someone to be afraid of. 
I know for me growing up as a teenager, not knowing much about the Holy Spirit, when I first came then to hear about the Holy Spirit, I was a little bit afraid. And uh, I was in the Salvation Army and um, just coming out of the Salvation Army and, and coming into a more Pentecostal church. And, and when I was still in the Salvation Army, I, I uh, worked for Christ for All Nations, some of you will know, uh, and was involved in uh, a big conference at the NEC um, in 1988 before some of you were even a twinkle in your mother or father's eyes. And uh, saw Benny Hinn and uh, for a, a, a young guy in the Salvation Army, not knowing much about the Holy Spirit, watching Benny Hinn and Reinhard Bonnke and Susa Hatting, I thought they were all bonkers. And it was so, so, and I was fearful. The Holy Spirit is not someone to be fearful of. Not someone to be fearful of. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus who wants to enable you and I to have a relationship with God. Isn't that amazing? But you know that the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to bring us the presence of God, but it's also to bring us the power of God as well. In Acts 1 verse 8, uh, Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I, I watched on Sunday... Uh, that media piece of Hannah on, on here. Didn't you think that was amazing? Those of you who are here. And here's this, this, this woman, I don't know whether she's here or not, and manager at Jamie's Italian in Birmingham, got baptised in December. And I thought, here's someone of whom the Holy Spirit has come into. And she's not weird. And she's really engaging and really nice and really uh, personable. But on the train, she's listening to the voice of the Spirit. And at work, she's seeing how can God speak to the staff. And, and I'll take the order with the Life Central pen because it might. And I just thought the Holy Spirit is bringing her power. Not weirdness, power. Power to witness in a natural way, supernaturally. In a natural way, supernaturally. I've known so many people who try and witness in a supernatural way, supernaturally. But God has called us to witness supernaturally in a natural way. Not to be weird. And the Holy Spirit has come that you'd have power. That word power uh, in the original language is dunamis where we get the word dynamite. Uh, and you can look all through Acts with great power. The apostles gave their testimony. Stephen was full of grace and power. Paul prays that the, uh, that the Romans, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would abound in hope. He reminds Corinthians that he preached Christ crucified in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And he says, Your, uh, His power is made perfect in our weakness. Timothy says, God has given us a spirit of power and love and self-control. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to live the life doesn't he? Gives the power to create community when people are winding you up. Gives the power to forgive when someone's hurt you. Gives us the power to walk across a room and to reach out to someone. Gives us the power to stop and say, I messed up. I was wrong. That's the Holy Spirit. It's coming to bring us power. So how does the Holy Spirit bring the power and the presence of Jesus into our lives? And there are three phrases that I believe God has given me to share with you tonight. I'll try and do them as quick as I can. The first one is this. He brings life where there's dead places. He brings life where there's dead places. You know, psychologists talk about FTT, which is a condition called failure to thrive. They reckon that this is as big an epidemic as the whole depression and anxiety piece. It's not depression, anxiety. It's a failure to thrive. It's like languishing. It's like living, doing life, going to work, but I've got FTT. It's like a failure to really thrive. It's kind of like I'm existing, but there's not the life that God intends 
for us. In the Talmud, which is the, the ancient Hebrew scriptures, uh, it talks about every blade of grass. And there's this picture in there of every blade of grass has an angel bending over the grass saying, grow, grow, grow. Like live. Don't just stay there, just live and grow. Irenaeus, who was, a, 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 was sainted, one of the early church fathers, he said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. Fully alive. I don't know whether you feel fully alive tonight. There's bits of my life that I know don't feel fully alive. Would I say, hey, maybe there are some dead places in me. And maybe the Holy Spirit wants to bring some life into those dead places. And I was thinking about my own experience, thinking, how, how, has, how has the Holy Spirit done that? in my life um, over these last 30 odd years. And um, one of the ways is through revelation. And I don't mean the book of revelation. I mean revelation. You know, there's a big difference between truth, knowledge and revelation, don't you? It's like truth is this is truth, whether I know it or not. This is knowledge. I now know the truth. Revelation is a whole other area of depth. It's like I can know, that, or God loves me, that's truth. I can suddenly know that God loves me. But when I come into a revelation that God loves me, that's the Holy Spirit. It's like the Holy Spirit comes in a deep way and brings revelation. I was um, uh, over the gym a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago now, and, and, and was listening to a podcast. And as I was listening, and I tell you no word of a lie, and I've told this to our staff, I don't know, think I've shared it publicly. It was like the Holy Spirit just whoom on me. And I felt God gave me almost a revelation of, a, of the calling on my life. And I know this sounds really weird to you now, but it's almost like God cemented something in terms of a calling to this place. Okay, so I'm not leaving. Let me just say that again. And to this place and to what God is doing among us right now. And I, and I felt, because I don't think the calling of God is, is it's less about a roadmap and it's more about a match. It's about God lighting something. To me, that's the Holy Spirit. Like a revelation. This is who you are. This is what you're about. This is what you're going to give your life to. But as well as revelation, I don't know about you, but I've also needed reassurance. There's many, and that can bring life to dead places, can't it? I love these verses from Romans chapter 8. Again, we'll go to the passion. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Isn't that a great phrase? You didn't receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Wow, we could stay there for a long time, couldn't we? But you've received the spirit of full acceptance. Say it, full acceptance. Amazing. Enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned. You will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. I don't feel that in my head. I don't think that in my head sometimes. I don't feel it in my heart. But the Spirit of God in me as it rises up, begins to bring that reassurance. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. You are God's beloved child. That, that's, that's what the Holy He wants to bring life in dead places. Revelation, reassurance, and then relationship. And for me, one of the ways that this works out for me in my spiritual life is speaking in tongues. Again, we don't talk about speaking in tongues all that much. And I know we're a Pentecostal church, but we don't. 
because it's loaded, because there's, it's misconstrued, because there's, 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 a, there's some extremes that there's been in the church. But for me, when I look at the scripture, the primary use of speaking in tongues, the primary gift of speaking in tongues is just between me and God. It's not in the public setting. That's not the primary use in the New Testament. It's between me and God. And I speak in tongues a lot, um, but it's between me and God. I spoke in tongues all the way as I walked from home to here uh, tonight because for me, it's about relationship. And when I look in Scripture, for me speaking in tongues, and that if if this is the first time you've ever heard of this, the Bible talks about God giving us like a heavenly language that you that isn't you can't compute it, you can't understand it. You know, it's not like oh French, Uh, maybe if you don't know French, but it's basically from God. It's a way that the Spirit of God within us communicates with God's Spirit, and the Bible teaches me that it builds my faith up. 1 Corinthians fourteen verse four: A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. That's what it says. It also helps me magnify God. It helps me to worship God when maybe I don't have the words or I'm not thinking it or I'm not feeling it, but actually that speaking tongues helps me to magnify God. It's a gateway for other gifts. Acts 19 verse 6, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. It's like as you begin to speak in tongues, then maybe other spiritual gifts begin to flow. And it provides a direct line of communication with God. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God. That's what Paul says. So, so, so guys, if you speak in tongues, I want to encourage you. And there's been seasons in my spiritual life where it's gone down and I haven't done that. I want to encourage you to stir that up. But it's not primarily a public gift. It is in times, but it's not primarily. It's primarily for you to connect with God, to bring that relationship so that Jesus can bring through his spirit that life to dead places. Secondly, he brings water to dry places. And I want to just reference something I brought out a few months ago. This really obscure verse, which was so fascinating me from Luke eleven twenty four, from the New King James Version. If we can go to it, Ryan. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest. And finding none, he says, I'll return to my house from which I came. This is a reference to the work of the enemy, okay, the work of the devil, okay, and all of that. And basically it says, he goes through dry places seeking rest. And here's the thought, could it be that the enemy does his best work in our dry places? That when we allow ourselves to get dry, we become a place of rest for the enemy. And I know in my own life that that's often how Jesus steals my joy. That's often how that relationship with him, because I've allowed places in my life to run dry. Nobody wants to work with dry people. Nobody wants a dry marriage. Dry places don't attract anything good, do they? When you're dry, the enemy accesses your life with ease, your attitude, your outlook, the atmosphere around your life. When you're dry, you're more susceptible to negative voices. I love how Mark Ritchie explained it a few weeks ago, the tragic roundabout. You know, and, and I think for me, my tragic roundabout is really spinning when I've allowed myself to get dry. When you're dry, it's harder to see the signs of life, the evidence of the grace of God. You, you know, when I stop weeping at baptism services, then for me, not for you, because you may not be as emotional as me, when I stop weeping at baptism services, I think I'm getting dry. And I never want to do that. 
Because I think, because to me, when, when I see someone give their testimony or see someone go and get baptised and come out again, like we'll see in a few weeks' time, there's nothing greater. But I know that when, that when I'm dry, it, you know, something's missing. When you're dry, you go through the motions rather than life going through you. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and bring water where there's dry places. And that's why Jesus in John 7 stood up and, and said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. It's like, it's no point coming to church if you don't come to me. That's what Jesus is saying, really. It's no point you just come in here if you don't come to him. Because he wants to bring water in dry places. Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Don't you love that word? Debauchery. We need to bring that word back. Yeah, it's a great word, that isn't it? Debauchery. Uh, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Someone said to D.L. Moody, he's a famous evangelist, sir, you're always speaking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? And he said, madam, because I leak. And interestingly enough, can you go back to that scripture on the one before, please, Ryan? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The way that verse is constructed in the, in the original language is fascinating. Firstly, it's a couplet. So there are two, two commands. Don't get drunk. And can I just say, it also covers gin. Just throwing it out there. Because some of you are thinking, I'm all right. Don't get drunk on wine. But I do get drunk on gin, vodka. It, it kind of means alcohol. All right. Just want to leave that there. Some of you are looking rather sheepish and I can see it even with the lights the way they are. So there's two commands. Do not get drunk on wine, which by the way is a sin. Okay. All right. So just, I don't need to say anything else. I've got the point there. Uh, instead, be filled with the Spirit. They're both commands. Don't get drunk on wine. Do, why is it? Because often in the Bible, the word filled literally means controlled by. So that's why Paul uses these two words together. Okay. So don't allow these dry places, because if you do, you'll be controlled by something. Don't be drunk on wine, because that will control you. That will direct you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, because then you'll be controlled and directed by the Spirit. He brings water to dry places. The other thing about, about this, which is so fascinating, this is a command, not a suggestion. This command is plural, not singular. In other words, it's for everyone. This, this is in the present continuous tense. So what it literally means is be being filled continuously. Not just a one-off experience. Oh, I was filled with the Spirit in 1989. doesn't mean that. It says be continuously filled with the Spirit. And, and it's bad theology to say that we leak, but in one sense, it's good practically because that's kind of what happens. Because we allow ourselves to get dry, don't we? But when we come back and we allow Jesus to fill us. And then finally, he brings fire where there's cold places. He brings fire where there's cold places. We were, some of us were um, recently uh, looking at some stuff this last week and we were reminded on this teaching that we were watching that David Hume, who was a famous atheist, uh, was once seen uh, going to uh, listen to George Whitfield preach, who was a famous evangelist. And someone said to him, why are you going to hear that guy preach? You don't believe you don't believe what he believes. And David Hume says, no, I don't believe what he believes, but I believe he believes what he believes. And I want to watch him. And even though he didn't believe it, there was something about the fire that was in that man. And, and it's reported, although it's, it's, it's out there as to whether he actually said this, that John Wesley, maybe, maybe not, is famous anyway, um, uh, said, you know, my, every day I set myself on fire and people come and watch me burn. 
And it's just this eye, not literally, all right? If you don't know that, not literally. But it's just that sense that the Holy Spirit comes and brings fire. And again, I don't think that means weird. I don't think it means extrovert. I think it just means passion. Hey, I don't believe what he believes, but I believe he believes it. And that's attractive, isn't it? That's attractive. He brings fire. So what about you this evening? What about you? Where are you at? Maybe you don't feel it. It's not about feeling. But maybe you know it, that actually it's been a long while since you've felt the relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into your life. But the promise of this, the overarching unifying promise of Scripture is the presence of God. And not theoretically, theologically, academically, but experientially as well. And so I want to ask us, I'm going to invite the band to come back up and, and, and just maybe just put your books down, your, your iPads, whatever else, your, your gin, your wine. I'm joking, I'm joking. And just, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. And uh, just, just let's stand for a moment, let's stand, let's stand. Just on, on the screen, just the last one. You might not be able to see it from where you are, but I want to just read this. Something that, as I was looking over my notes again and looking back, um, I found this prayer. I don't know where I got it from really, but it's quite straightforward. I want to just read it to you. And maybe even tonight, some of you will resonate with this. And what we want to do then is we want to just invite some of you who want to come and be prayed for tonight. Not because, oh, it's at the end and we're looking for a response, but maybe some of you, you know tonight, that there's dry places in you. There's cold places in you. Maybe there's even dead places in you. Jesus says, it's better that I go. Because if I go, I can send the Holy Spirit. And, and He can come and He can bring this life where there's dead places. He can bring water and refreshing where there's dry places. He can bring fire where there's cold places as well. That's what He can do. This prayer says this, Dear Father, I need you. I acknowledge that I have been directing my own life and that as a result, I've sinned against you. This is a Christian as well. I've just been doing it myself. I came to faith through faith in what you did, but now I'm kind of doing it on my own. I thank you that you've forgiven my sins through Christ's death on the cross for me. I now invite Christ to again take His place on the throne of my life. You see, I think salvation is also a present continuous experience as well. I think there's something about being continually kind of surrendering to God and letting the, the death and the resurrection happen. Do you know what I mean? On a continuous basis. Fill me with the Holy Spirit as you commanded me to be filled and as you promised it on your word that you would do if I asked in faith. I now thank you for directing my life and filling me with the Holy Spirit. You know, we receive salvation through faith, not feeling. We receive the Holy Spirit in our lives through faith and not through feeling. It's exactly, exactly the same. So I want to invite you all to get baptised in the Spirit again tonight. Is that okay? So if you're comfortable with this, I want to ask you just to stretch your hands out before you. And I want to pray for every single one of us, okay? And then as we begin to worship... If you know that actually God has spoken to you tonight and that you need to have an encounter with Him, maybe for the first time, maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never spoken in tongues. And I personally believe that everybody, every believer can, 
Every believer doesn't not necessarily do that. I don't believe it means you are less of a Christian if you don't. I really believe that's bad teaching. But I believe it is a gift that is open to all. Maybe that's never happened to you. Or maybe it has, but it's been a long time. And you know there are dry places. And as you lift your hands, you're, you're lifting to Jesus those dry, cold, dead places. And you're asking the Holy Spirit to come. So Jesus, we want to pray right now. We want to pray, Lord Jesus. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit as you commanded us to be filled. And as you promised in your word that you would do if we asked in faith. We now thank you for directing our lives and filling us again with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and would you fill us, I pray? Would you bring life to dead places? Would you bring water to dry places? Would you bring fire to cold places? In Jesus' name. Lord, we surrender to you. We submit to you. We give ourselves to you again. And Lord, this isn't a sign of weakness when we surrender. Actually, this is a sign of strength. Because we know, Lord, that we can't do it in our own strength. We were never meant to. Lord, we were always meant to allow you to live your life through us by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, as many of us respond to you personally now, God, would you come? Would you fall? Would you flood? Would you fill, Lord, us by the power of your Spirit? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to invite you guys. We've got prayer team. would love to pray for you. The band are going to lead us. They're going to keep the music down a little bit just for a bit as we wait on him but if you want prayer this evening I want to just invite you to come okay and just to come stand at the front and let someone pray for you and then we'll see what God wants to do